without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. God, again, I ask that you would just bless this message. Lord, I leave it in your hands. I pray that you're glorified. I pray that you would move in our hearts, Lord, in a way that, uh, that convicts, and which strengthens, which encourages, Lord, which instructs. And Lord, I also pray that if uh, there's one here today that's never placed their faith and trust in Christ, Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we need you. We all need you. And I, I pray, God, that you would, Lord, that you would meet with us today. Lord, your word says, where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're there. Father, I pray that you'd meet with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We live in perilous times. Let's just be honest. And as our our country seems to be going nuts these days uh, with all the problems that, are, that, we're, that we're facing. And it's not, we, we don't have the biggest problems in the world. We are, the, we are the wealth, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We, we are blessed beyond measure. Uh, but as we see uh, our political structure struggling, as we see our economy struggling, as we see uh, even people and families struggling with how to deal with one another, as we see, uh, as we see ourselves becoming distant from one another, and you can't have a, a, a conversation with somebody without somebody getting offended because they may disagree with you. It used to be around uh, the, 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 the table, or around Thanksgiving table, there were, you stayed away from politics and you stayed away from, from, uh, from, uh, from religion, but... Uh, you shouldn't, by the way, but that's, that, was the going, uh, that was the going idea, and then you, you didn't cause any problems. But anymore, uh, you can't have any conversations about anything without, being, without having some kind of problem if there's a disagreement. It's, it's, we live in, in perilous times. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible time. Now, I say it's a terrible time because it's a time that, it, for us, is unprecedented. In our lifetime, it's not been quite like this. There have been difficult times, don't get me wrong, in our lives and in our history as a, as a nation. And in the world, it's, it's been even harder than, uh, in, the, in our history, it's been even harder than it is today for us. And in our world today, in many other countries, it's harder than it is for us today. But I, I, I want you to understand that, that we do live in perilous times. The book, of, uh, the book of 1 John says that in these last days, he, he mentioned that, that, that they were in those times the last days. Uh, the days that they were waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day when Christ comes back. Uh, it's, it, it, in chapter 4 of, of 2 Timothy, it tells us that we're to look for his appearing, that there is a reward for those that are looking for his appearing. And I, I want to encourage you today uh, that even in these perilous times, that we can still go on, that we can still, uh, we can still serve God, and we can still do so with joy. I, I understand, uh, along with all the rest of you, uh, how difficult it is to, to, to have to feed a family today, to put food on the table, to, to watch your income shrinking, or to watch what you have to spend 
increasing. I, I, I understand that to watch those numbers go with the gas tank and uh, as you're pumping gas in there and where it used to be 50 or $60, now it's 75 and 80 and they're talking it could be even more in the coming months. Uh, uh, it could be years before things begin to improve and the truth is, who knows, maybe they never will improve. We don't know what the economy was going to look like for our country. But I do want you to know, just like Brother, Brother Dan said, God is still in control. Uh, and while, while things are difficult and while things are, are hard, we don't have to just give up. In fact, we're not to give up. See, all, all this was predicted long beforehand that things were going to get hard and difficult. And, 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 and when, I, when I say that, we're, we're talking first world problems for us. <laughs> Well, we think hard and difficult is I have to pay six, I may have to pay five dollars and ten cents for gas today, or eleven cents, I think is what I heard it was today. That's difficult. There are some places, even in our country, where it's six, seven, eight dollars a gallon, and and in other countries they're paying a whole lot more than that. And in some countries you just can't get it. And where where we're going to the store and and watching the numbers go up on the on the shelves, and there are other places where you go to the store and there's just nothing on the shelves. We're talking first world problems, but it could get for us to be that way. That wasn't grammatically correct, but you know what I'm saying. It could get harder for us. As we look to the future, things may not get any better here on this earth, but I want to encourage you this morning that while we're looking at difficult times, perilous times, when Paul was talking to Timothy in this book, in this chapter, and he mentions perilous times in verse 3, he wasn't talking about the financial hardships. He wasn't talking about some of those things. They were talking about spiritual things. Uh, let's, let's look at a few things here in, in, the, in, these, in these verses. Verse 2 says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. It's a, it's a time of depravity. As we, as we look at our, in this world around us, uh, it used to be the things that were once considered good are now considered evil. The things that were once considered solid, we understand this, we know this, or now, well, that's all a lie, and you're a bigot if you disagree. And even, even there are many times that Christians are beginning to, to, to conform to the world, so that the fact when they read the Word of God, they think, well, that just can't be right. It's a time of depravity. This is meant to be lovers of their own selves. We live in a day and age... Did you know that in, in the first year that, that, uh, that uh, cell phones got cameras on them, that there were more pictures taken that first year than ever, ever taken before? You know why? Because you have a whole lot of people going like this, click, 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 click. How many of you have a selfie on, a selfie on your phone? They even make things. Now, I do too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that you're wicked and sinful. But, but we, we, we appreciate seeing ourselves. Brother Don says, I don't know how to even use my camera. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he can use it. He just doesn't know how to turn the camera around on his phone. But what I'm saying is that there's, a, there's this narcissistic, uh, selfish tendency today, uh, even within the church. It's all about me. It's all about what I need. In fact, there's this consumerism mentality within the church where we go to church to see what we can get from church. And if we don't get what we need from church, well, then we're just going to find a church that's going to supply us with what we need. I want this program, or I want that program, or I want this. Well, you know what? There's a church out there that will provide that for you. But the Word of God doesn't teach us that we're supposed to be that way. 
In fact, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then it talks about his humility. We're to submit ourselves unto others, not put ourselves first. Lovers of their own selves. The word covetous is used next. It's a one who loves money is, a, is, a, is a, what the, the meaning of the Greek word. We all need money. You have to buy gas to drive to church. Amen? Yeah. You, have to, you have to put food in your, in, your, in your kids' bellies and in your own belly. And that's understandable. There's a necessity to have money. But there's, it's not talking about those that need money, and we all need money, but it's talking about those who love money, who will put the, the pursuit of money over everything else. But that's what we see in our culture today. We have to have the best of everything, the newest, the newest iPhone to come out, the, the, the nicest car. I'd like to have a Tesla, not really because I want an electric vehicle, but they drive fast. Those things are awesome, right? We, we want those things. We want, to, we want to heap to ourselves those good things. But what did Jesus say that we're ought to do? <laughs> the exact opposite of that. In fact, God blesses us so much in this country. Uh, honestly, we should be, and we should be ashamed of the way that we live and that we're not giving so much to others. We, bound, we bind ourselves up so much in debt, even in the church, that we can't help others, even if we'd like to help others. We can't tithe because we're, we're like, well, we got cable bill, and that's $75 a month, and we've got this bill, and that's, uh, uh, but we won't give back to God. Why would that be? This is... Proud, boasters. That's not a problem today. <laughs> not for us. The Bible says God hates pride. It's an abomination unto him. We like to list certain sins and say, well, that's an abomination. And listen, I'm not saying that God, the Bible doesn't say that, 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 that homosexuality and, and those things are an abomination. But the top of the list, if I remember correctly, is a proud heart. I'm not going to downplay one sin to lift up another. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell is, is that God hates it. But it's in the heart of not just people outside of the church, but people inside the church. Blasphemers, those who would take God's name in vain. To blaspheme against God in the Old Testament is a, is a, was a crime that was, uh, that was punished by death but it rolls off the lips of so many tongues today. And some people are offended by it, and we should, we should be offended when, when God's name is, 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 is downtrodden on, when, when it's used as a curse word. We should be offended. Uh, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. It should, it should hurt our hearts when somebody else uses the name of our holy God in such a way. But many in the church are just as guilty as those outside the church. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. That's not a problem today. All the kids said, Amen. And all the parents said, Yeah, right. But then you were, you were a kid too once, right? It's in our, earth, our humanly nature to be disobedient and want to rule ourselves. But uh, as, we're, as we're looking at this, we're, we're looking at the description of this, these perilous times. Uh, the issue isn't necessarily that a child is disobedient. The issue is that the, the mindset, the, the culture in which we live. And not that one person is this way, but it's, it's, it's like a generalized uh, description of society. And that's, this is what I'm seeing for us today in our country. 
I'm thankful. <laughs> I was teach, talking to the little kids this morning. Miss Carol was running a little bit late. And so we were talking about being thankful uh, in, in the Sunday school class. And I said, does anybody have anybody in here that does something good for you? And uh, I heard, uh, I heard uh, they give me food. My mama gives me food. Uh, Howie uh, uh, Hadley said her mom makes her macaroni and cheese. Apparently she really likes that. Um, uh, there were all kinds of different things. And one of the children, uh, Noah said, my mama cleans our house sometimes. <laughs> that was awesome. I love, I love little kids. <laughs> she doesn't do it every day, but she does do it sometimes is what he said. <laughs> we laugh about that because we think our kids should be thankful for the things that we do and give them. But as, we talk, as I talk to little kids, we need to be thankful for not just the things that we are given, but many things that we don't even pay attention to. And more importantly, we're to be thankful to God because every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, from our Heavenly Father. So uh, we talked about being thankful to God. In fact, we're to be thankful to God in all things, not even just the good things. You get COVID, guess what? Be ye thankful. That doesn't sound like I want to be thankful for that. Now, it didn't say be thankful for COVID, but you're supposed to be thankful when you have COVID. Now, maybe God's going to use that in, in your way in some way or, or, or whatever other uh, problem that you're going through or uh, discouragement you're facing. But I want you to understand we're to be thankful in all times. But, but we live in a nation, we live in a culture where we are just unthankful for the things that we have and the blessings that we have in our life. It's easier to complain about the problems. It's easier to complain about the gas prices. It, uh, it, I'm right there with you, but I forget to say thank you, Lord, for the car I had to drive that gets me to and from where I need to go. Thank you, Lord, that, uh, that, uh, that I have food on my table. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your protection. Thank you, Lord, for your provision, all of those things. We're to be thankful, but again, we live in a day where we are not. These are the perilous times it's talking about. Unholy, verse 2. Unholy. What does it mean to be unholy? Well, God is holy. He is, uh, and when I say that, I do not mean that, that, that uh, there is this, this standard which God measures up to holiness. God is the standard of holiness. Uh, he is the ruler uh, by which all other things are measured. And while God is holy, we are not. And, uh, but not only, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that uh, I am saved and I am justified through Jesus Christ. That uh, while I am not holy, when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sinfulness. He sees Christ's righteousness. He doesn't see who I really am. He sees what Jesus did for me on the cross. But that does not mean that I can just do whatever I want. The Bible says uh, in the book of Romans that uh, should we sin that grace may abound? The next verse says, God forbid. But we live in a culture today, that, uh, 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 even a, uh, a church culture today, where we, we live on the edge of the world. We are not as bad as the world is, but we're not where God wants us to be, but we're comfortable there. But we should strive to be holy. In the Old Testament, it said, be holy, for I am holy. And we will acknowledge that God wanted the Israelites to be holy and to strive to live according to his law, even though that they would fail, that they were to strive to do that. But guess what? Guess what? In Peter, it tells us the same thing. Be ye holy, for I am holy. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's a God wants us to strive for that. Now, we understand that we're, we can only be holy through the grace of God. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we live in a time of depravity. 
We live in a time of deception. There are false teachers out there. There are those that would, that would lie to us and try to confuse us. And the truth is, the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world. But Jesus also said in John chapter 8 that he is the, the father of lies. And he's fooling everybody. Now, uh, the, world's, uh, the Bible, uh, Paul said that, says this, that, uh, if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. It also says that uh, the God of this world blinds the eyes of those, uh, those that are in this world uh, so that they don't come to the knowledge of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there are many that are deceived out there, but there are many inside the church that are deceived today. Uh, there are false teachers and false doctrine. Uh, there are those that are being taught that you can earn your way to heaven today. There are those that are sitting in church today that are being told that you can be baptized your way into heaven. There are those that are being told that if you're good enough or if you give enough or you do this or do that, that's a false doctrine. Uh, Paul wrote to, writing to the people of Galatians said, and said, you started well, what doth hinder you or who hath hindered you? See, they're, they're, even then in the church, in those days in the, in the church of Galatia, there were those false teachers that were coming saying, you need to do this and do that as well as have faith in Jesus Christ. But that's a false doctrine. We're to have faith in Christ alone. It's our faith that saves us. Through Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He goes, going down through this, we're reading about those who have a form of godliness. They deny the power of, uh, thereof from such turn away. It's talking about false teachers. And we need to be aware that there are false teachers today. There are false teachers on television. There are false teachers on the radio. There are false teachers who write books. There are false teachers who stand in pulpits. We need to be very careful about who we allow ourselves to listen to and what we listen to. Everything that we listen to, we need to, we need to take to the word of God and try the spirit. We need to try to see what the, what, what the Word of God has to say compared to what they have to say. And guess what should always win? The Word of God. We live in a time of deception. We live in a time of darkness or deadness. Verse 5 there says, Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. There are a lot of people today that, that they, they're in church. There are a lot of pastors in pulpits today that are preaching. And, uh, but uh, while they look good, while they're doing all, following all the traditions, they sound good, there's something missing in the preaching. There are a lot of Christians today that they dressed right. They, 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 they're, they, they're speaking right. They're singing the songs. But there's something missing. You can have a form of godliness, but deny the power of God. You can deny that spirit which would strengthen you. You can deny that Christ that will save you. You can look like everybody else, but be completely lost. I grew up in church. I knew how to talk. I knew how to act. I knew how to dress. I went to Christian school. I mean, I was, when I got saved, I quoted the scriptures back to the guy who was leading me to the Lord because, because the Spirit of God finally opened my eyes and I was no longer deceived. But I looked at the part. In fact, when my youth pastor said, what did you come for? He thought I was coming for to surrender to preach or to missions or some other thing like that. And I said, no, I need to be saved. You could be here in this church and you could have everybody fooled, including your parents, and the scary thing is, you may even have yourself fooled. It's a terrible place to be. But those are the days that we live in. In the book of Luke, it says, when Jesus comes, will he find faith on the earth? 
These are perilous times. We live in times of uncertainty and times of confusion. So what do we do? When, when, when things are getting harder and more difficult, and the truth is, things are getting hard, both physically, financially, uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually. Things are getting hard. So what do we do? How do we deal with this situation? I believe that we can find some truths here in the book of 2 Timothy that will help us to, to strengthen us, to keep going, and to, and to do what God's called us to do so we don't quit, so we don't, we don't leave the faith or, or walk away or just give up, because that's exactly what Satan would have us to do. The first is this, a truth that we can hold on to. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. The first truth I see here is, my salvation is permanent. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. That's not the right one. Chapter 1, verse 12. There we go. For the which cause I also suffer these things, says Paul. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let's, let's, let's take a moment and look at that verse a little bit more carefully. It says, it says for I know whom I have believed. It's a, it's a personal salvation. I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I can know Christ. That I don't have to, I don't have to just uh, have some kind of, you know, I, I know about Christ. I go to a church where I, I hear about this person, but I don't, listen, I, I, I know Tom Brady in the way that all of you know Tom Brady. And some, most of you don't like Tom Brady now because he doesn't play for the Patriots. But uh, I know him as well as you do. But you know what? I don't actually know him. I don't. I don't have a relationship with him. When I met my wife, uh, uh, the first time I saw her was, now for those of you that are younger, there used to be a thing called MySpace. We've, we've reached a generation now who don't understand what MySpace is or was. I saw, I saw this thing the other day. It said, it said if Twitter, and I'm not on Twitter at all, but if Twitter could just add music to the little thing that every time they came to it, you'd get to, they'd get to hear the songs that you like, that was MySpace. They're just trying to bring back the old things. It's like, it's like bell-bottom jeans. They came back. I don't know why. Terrible, terrible fa fashion. But when I met my wife, I saw that picture of her on her profile. And man, was she absolutely gorgeous. I was like, there is, I've got no chance. I didn't, I'd never met her before. She lived an hour and a half away from me. This is not how you find a wife, guys. Just saying. Y'all, you young men. God, God blessed me in my stupidity. But I sent her a message. I said, hi, I, I like your profile. I think, you're, I think you'd be somebody I'd like to get to know. Now, I was away from God, and I was not living the way that I should, but that's how I approached my wife. And she was desperate enough to, to respond to me and say, well, let's write back and forth. Hey, hey, don't laugh too much at that joke. So we corresponded through messages for a while. We began to call each other on the phone. I didn't know my wife, but I was beginning to know my wife. And over a period of time, uh, we, we, not only did we uh, get to, to know one another a little bit, uh, uh, I got to see her in person, and whew, she was better than the picture. I thought, there is no, there's no way that this date is going past number one, date number one, because I, I just ain't got a chance. She was really desperate. Her bar was set really low. 
But I did. And I can remember the first time I told her I loved her. It was an accident. <laughs> we're on the phone talking. She was getting ready for school. I was at work, and, and we were talking about, uh, about uh, going out uh, on the weekend. And, uh, and I, as I went to hang up the phone, I said, I love you. <laughs> and I was like, why did I just say that? I, I, I meant it, but I didn't mean to say it. You know what I mean? Especially those of you that when you're first, those of you that can remember back to when you were first dating. And this is her response. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs> Destroyed. I paced. Man, it was it was a bad day at work. I mean, I, I was, my gut was, it was just in knots all day. I might, felt like my heart had, had, had dropped, uh, dropped out. I was like, what am I going to do? I just ruined everything. The most beautiful girl I've ever seen. And she's never going to talk to me again because I said, I love you too fast. Apparently she just misunderstood or wasn't sure that she heard me. And so she didn't want to be the first one to say it. And, whew, everything's good. But we've been married now for going on 14 years. I can, I can tell you today that I did not know her then. I began to know her, but I know her a whole lot better today. There is a relationship that she and I have that gets stronger and stronger the longer that we're together, the more we get to know about one another. Can I tell you that, we, that I have a personal relationship with my wife? There are, I go to places all the time now uh, that people know my wife more than they know me. We go, I go down to a pastor's fellowship down in uh, New Jersey once a year and uh, take my wife and my family. And I'll have, I'll have 10, 12, sometimes uh, one time I had 30 women come up to me in, in three days and say, I love your wife. I follow her on Instagram. But I'm the one with the personal relationship. There are a lot of Christians that say, I know God. Or there are a lot of people that say, I know God. But they're lacking that real knowledge. They're lacking that real relationship. Can I tell you, God wants to have a relationship with you. The book of 1 John chapter 1 tells us that, that they, 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 he explains to us that the things that they had seen, the things that they had heard, the things that they had handled of Jesus Christ, that they, that they, were, they were sharing those things. Why? So that, they could, that we could have fellowship with them, but ultimately so that we can have fellowship with God. You can have fellowship with Jesus Christ. I have a personal relationship with Christ, not based upon me being worthy of it. I wasn't worthy of my wife's attention. I certainly am not worthy of God's attention. But based upon his love for me and his love for you. It's a personal salvation. You can't get it because you can't have that relationship because of your parents or your spouse or even because you come to church. That relationship, come, that relationship is born out of your salvation, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Not only is it a personal relationship, but it's a persuaded relationship. Look back to verse 12. It says, Wherefore, sorry, uh, for, the, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. Now that word persuaded means convinced. I am thoroughly convinced in what God has done for me. Now, it's important for us to understand this, that we're not convinced because somebody's come along and told us so. We can be thoroughly convinced because the Word of God tells us so. It is God's Word which opens up our eyes. It is the Spirit of God which helps us to understand spiritual things. 
I am fully persuaded that God is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I am fully persuaded. You cannot sway me. You cannot move me. You cannot, you cannot take it away from me. I am persuaded. Listen, you can take my life. You can take my, my, my money. You can take my car. Please do. You can uh, uh, bring me back something nicer. Uh, you, you can take everything that I have, but you cannot take away the fact that, uh, the promises of God for my life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, put your name, put my name right there, believe on him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a promise of God. I am persuaded. I'm convinced of it. And not only am I convinced of my salvation, but I'm convinced that he is able to keep it. Listen, there are those that, that think that you can lose your salvation. There's uh, this doctrine that's taught, where, well, if you, if you sin, Though that God, then you're not of God, you're not saved, or you've lost your salvation. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I sin. Let's just be honest. Lose your temper with your spouse. Disobedient to your parents. Uh, 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 slightly deceptive. I don't outright lie, but you know, a little white lie. Still a lie. Sin. We do it every day. Um, when when I, my, I introduced my wife to my parents, um, just before we were, we were married, my dad, the first question out of my dad's mouth was to her, are you saved? She was, yeah, I get saved every day. <laughs> she didn't have any understanding of what the Word of God taught. In fact, she wasn't a Christian. Uh, but there's this misunderstanding, this false teaching, that, that we have to do this every single day. But the truth is, we cannot save ourselves, and we cannot keep ourselves. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. If he's the one that saves me, he's the one that keeps me. There's nothing that I can do that will remove me from, uh, from the love of God, and there's nothing that I can do that will remove or break the promise of God for me. God cannot lie. It's against his nature. And he's unchangeable. Uh, uh, we don't need to worry that one day he's just going to say, you know what, I've had enough, I'm done. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we should go out and live our lives the way we want to uh, against the word of God and, and, and just hope for, for, for reconciliation someday. We'll just make it all right when I get to heaven. We don't want to live that way because we will be judged. We're going to talk about that in a, in a few minutes. But, 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 we, but we understand that, that he's the one that saves us and he's the one that keeps us. It's a... Persuaded salvation. I am persuaded, not by my thoughts, not by my wants, but by the word and the promise of God. It's also a protected salvation. He is able to keep that which I've committed. You ever had somebody stolen from you? Or have you ever lost something? <laughs> I, I saw this video the other day. This woman said, I can't find my sunglasses. Her husband's videotaping her. She's, she's ransacking everything. Maybe, you, maybe you've seen it. You know where I'm going with this. She says, I can't find her. She's so angry and so upset. And he's just sitting there smiling. And she goes, what? what? Then he goes, look at the phone. And then she saw her reflection in the phone. She was wearing the glasses she was looking for. We, we can easily lose something. We, uh, sometimes we misplace it, whether it's our keys, whether it's a book, whether it's some, some, work, some, some papers we need for work, whatever it is, we can misplace things. Uh, people, they now have a, uh, Apple now for, uh, makes a, uh, an air tag that you can uh, attach it to something that you lose all the time so that when you lose it, you can find it again. You know, God never, never misplaces 
us. God never misplaces anything. He's in complete control. There are times of uncertainty when we're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And the truth is, economically, I don't know what's going to happen in our country. Politically, we're a mess. And by the way, I don't think that another four years of Trump is going to fix it. It's not about the man in the White House, Democrat or Republican. It's about the God who's in control. Our salvation is permanent. And that, honestly, that should give us hope. That while I lose, I can lose anything and everything else, I cannot lose my salvation. Gas might get up to $10 a gallon. Or they just might run out of it altogether. What will we do? I don't know what the answer will be. But I know God's still in control. And I know that one day I'll still be in heaven, regardless of the things that are going on. We get so caught up in, the, in, in all the things that are going on, we forget these basic things that we can cling to and we can hold to. This truth to help us in this, these perilous times is my salvation is permanent. Number two is this. My strength is powerful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Say, how is my strength powerful? Uh, I've heard people say, well, God won't ever give us any more than we can handle. That is a lie from the Satan himself. Because it deceives people into thinking that, okay, I'll be able to handle anything. And I'll never come to the end of my rope. But then when they get to the end of the rope, they're like, why did God do this to me? To help us to see that we need him. It's, it's interesting. Anytime something terrible happens in, in, in somebody's life, the first person they turn to, the first thing they do is they turn to God. But then everything, once everything is going well, they're back to how things were before. I remember this back in, uh, during 9-11. For those of you young people, that was when the Twin Towers collapsed. That was a terrible day for our country. Over 3,000 people died in those buildings when they collapsed. What a, what a terrible day. You know what, was, what happened the very next day? The churches were full of people that were praying because they were seeking an answer. And, 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 and within, within a few short months, guess what? The, those that had come in because of the problems were now gone and back living their life again because, well, things aren't so bad. I've seen this in the lives of those who profess Christ. When something bad goes wrong, they come to church. And then as soon as things kind of even out for them, they disappear. Until something bad comes up again, and back they are. Why is that? Because they don't have the right source of strength. We see it there in verse 1. Therefore, my, my son, be strong. Now, he doesn't say pull up your own bootstraps. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, the strength that we, you and I have in difficult times doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from God. Be strong in the Lord. Uh, we, we can be renewed day by day, regardless of the, the outward uh, things that are happening to us. Whether, uh, as Paul said, uh, my outward man perisheth, my inward man is renewed day by day. We can be strengthened every single day, regardless of the circumstances around us. Whether things get worse and worse and worse, we can grow stronger and stronger and stronger. 
But you've got to rely upon God. You cannot rely upon yourself. You cannot rely upon the government. You can't rely upon your family and your friends. Because guess what? The government's going to fail you. Your family's going to fail you. Your friends are going to fail you. Uh, Listen, even I may fail you. Uh, I'm only human. But what I will tell you this is that God will never fail you. He can strengthen you to bring you through whatever it is that you're facing. Whether whether you found out that you've got cancer or a brain tumor, whether your bank account's dry and you don't know where your next meal's going to come from. Listen, I want you to understand, God can strengthen you through that. Paul said, I know how to both to be abased and I know how to abound. Our strength needs to come from the Lord. The source of my strength is God's grace. And if you're a child of his that grace is given to you freely. So therefore, verse 1, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I want you to also know this about the strength that we receive from the Lord is the sufficiency of that strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, if you want to, sorry, 9 or 19, I'm not sure I wrote it down correctly. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul here is dealing with, uh, I believe it's verse 9, uh, dealing with a, a, a weakness that he had. It says, it says uh, a thorn in the flesh uh, that he has asked three times. He's prayed three times for God to remove it. And if anybody could get hold of the, the ear of the Lord and, and answer, you would think it would be the one who God used to write most of the New Testament. But here in verse 9 it says, uh, this is God's response. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He didn't say, oh, you got it, Paul, I'm going to remove this thorn in the flesh. He didn't say, I'm going to make it all better for you. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to make your life easy. What he said is, my grace will be sufficient. Meaning, uh, while you still have the thorn in the flesh, I will give you the strength that you need to continue on. I will strengthen you to serve. I will strengthen you to live. I will strengthen you to persevere. Uh, but he did not say, I will remove it. We have too many people that say, well, God just left me because he didn't take care, didn't answer their prayer request the way I wanted it. Uh, it's, it's all about what I want. But here I'm here to tell you, it's not about what we want is about what God does. All things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to your purpose. Some of you are laughing because you know what the verse actually says. All things work together to God or to them who love God who are called according to his purpose. Things may not go well in your life. Things may be a struggle. It may become very difficult for you. You may face some, some trial or temptation down the road, but I want you to understand this, that God's purpose is greater, and God's grace will bring you through it. It will be sufficient for you. Understand that. It doesn't mean things are going to be easy. It means that God's strength will bring you through it. There are people that are facing things today that I could not even imagine. Children of God who are facing loss and, and, and pain. And, and because I've not ever dealt with those types of things, a loss of a child or a loss of a spouse or, 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 or the financial hardship, I, I've been blessed. I, I, necess- I cannot necessarily understand what they're going through and how they're going to face it. But I do understand this, that God can, has and can strengthen them through it. And the truth is, whether our economy gets better, there will be ups and downs in our lives. You young people are going to face some difficult times in your life. You older people are going to face some difficult times in your life. And 
the oldest people in the room, I won't say who you are, will also face some difficult times in your life. But God's grace is sufficient. Notice, we've seen the source of our strength, the sufficiency of the strength. Notice, Paul, as Paul is the song of his strength. He said, I would rather glory in my infirmities. Do you understand what Paul's saying? I would rather have the infirmity and glory in it. Now, it doesn't mean like where I lift up myself because of the situation I'm in, but I'm glorifying God in the situation I'm in. It's not always easy. It isn't. In fact, the truth is, we cannot do it without the Spirit of God. I, I think back to Paul and Silas as beaten and bloodied and, and, and in stocks and j- in, in jail for preaching the gospel of Christ. And it says at midnight they lifted up their voices and they sang praise unto God. I don't understand how anybody can do that. Except for the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. How were, they able, how were they able to do it? The Spirit of God which dwelled within them that gave them joy in the situation they were in. They were able to endure because of the strength of God. It was sufficient, but it also brought a song to their heart in the midst of the trial. Is there a song in your heart today? Or is it the complaining, the murmuring and of the, the gas prices and all the stuff that's going on? What conversations have you had today about uh, how good God has been for you in the last couple of weeks uh, as, as things have gotten hard for us all? Uh, uh, are we talking about the goodness of God or the grace of God, the mercy of God? Or are we talking about how difficult things are? I'll, I'm just in the same place as all of you. Or maybe I'm the only unspiritual one here. I, I complain about those things. Post things on Facebook for the youngest generation. And, well, actually, the youngest generation doesn't use Facebook. They use TikTok. It's the middle generation that uses Facebook. Do we complain? Do we murmur? Are we praising God? What's the song of our heart today? The song of our strength was he would glory in his infirmities. And the success of his strength is that the power of Christ would rest upon me. He says, as I glory in my infirmity, as I, as I glorify God in the situation that I'm in, it, 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 what it does, it points others to Christ. The power of Christ rests upon me. Power, the presence of God, we need that. We saw what happened in the, there in, as, as, as they were in Philippi, and as they sang, the, sang uh, praises unto God in jail, the, the earth quaked, the doors opened, the jailer got saved, and then all of his house. The success of our, our strength. Again, it's his strength, but it's our strength because it's promised to us by God. No matter what we're going to face, this, we need to understand that his strength Our strength is powerful and can carry us through what we're about to face and what we're facing today. Thirdly, I see here in 2 Timothy, not only is is, uh, our salvation permanent, our strength powerful, but we also see the scriptures are profitable. 2 Timothy, back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look with me, if you would, at verse... Start verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, 
and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Our salvation is permanent. Our strength is powerful. And the word of God, the scripture, is profitable for us. Now, uh, notice what he, what he said there. First of all, it's, it's, it's profitable for our salvation. And listen, if you're saved today, you're saved because of the word of God. Yes, uh, it was, it's through Christ that you got saved. Through, uh, for by grace you're saved through faith. And that not yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But Romans chapter 10 tells us that uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We need the word of God, the promise of God, to, to, and our eyes to be opened unto those things, so that we can be saved. And if you are saved today, praise God for it. Rejoice in it. And if you're not saved today, understand that God can save you too. It's profitable to you. The greatest profit in my life, the, the, the best way my life has ever been made better was through my salvation. Number one, the best decision I have ever made was to follow Jesus Christ. Number two was my wife. Our lives are profitable because of Scripture. Scriptures will save us. Notice verse, verse, uh, verse number uh, 15, that, or verse... 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I want us to stop there for a moment. That word, in, uh, and it's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction. That, that word inspiration means it's God breathed. Meaning the Spirit of God moved upon the, those writers, uh, those men that were used. It, it, it's not a man-written book. It's a, it's, a, it's a book that God used men to write. But God, the Bible says, through the moving of the Holy Spirit, moved those men to, to, to write down uh, through their own personalities the, the words that he would have us to, to hear and understand. This is God's book to us. It is not just a collection of ancient writings that we have put together. If you do an under, a study, you'll come to understand that while this was written over thousands of years by 40 different people, there is one congruent story that interchanges and connects to each other from Genesis all the way to Revelations. And all the entire story is the, the reconciliation of men to God through Christ and salvation. And all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, we see, we see that... Uh, that uh, the Word, the Spirit of God is moving and creating and working. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was used and working in, in, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, act of creation. Man, what a powerful thing. And what God was able to accomplish on, on that day. Later on, when man was created, it says that God formed them out of the dust of the earth and, 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 and that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. The, the picture of the Holy Spirit in, in many times in Scripture is the picture of, of, of air, of movement of air, and of moving air. And, and there, the word God breathed means the Spirit of God was breathing or moving into these, those men. So God, God, the Spirit of God moved in creation. The Spirit of God moved in the creation of mankind. Uh, the Spirit of God moved in your salvation. Without the Spirit of God opening up your eyes as a carnal, uh, as, a, as, a, as a carnal earthly thing, you never would have been able to understand spiritual things. Because your eyes were blinded by, by the God of this world, Satan. But if you're saved today, it's because God opened up your eyes and you saw that you needed salvation. Not that everybody needed salvation, but you saw that you had a need of salvation. 
and you place your faith in Christ for that salvation. But that word, as we look at it, it's profitable for us. It's profitable for our salvation, but it's profitable for us because it will saturate us. Verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine. What do I mean by, by saturating us? As we read the Word of God, as we're renewed, as we're conformed, our hearts and our minds are saturated with the doctrine of the Word of God. It's, that, it's the Word that, that helps us to, to learn the truths of who God is. It is not some guy that you listen to on the radio or some book that you read about the Bible. It's not that some guy standing up here in the pulpit who should be your teacher. Listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to the preacher. I'm saying listen to the preacher as long as he's preaching according to the Word of God. Don't take what I have to say for granted and say, well, that's what the preacher said, so that's what I want to believe. Too many people do that. And those people that do that, they're so easily twisted when somebody else comes along and they bring about a verse, say, well, have you ever thought of this? And they take it out of context, but they don't know enough about it that they, they confuse them. And Do it yourself. Study it yourself. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of the truth. It's not my job to teach you everything. It is the pastor's job to feed the flock, to, to, to warn the flock, to the, the, those that God has placed under his care. But what I want you to understand is it is your responsibility to eat every single day. You don't come here once a week asking for dinner. Eat every day. Hopefully eat three times a day. Some of us eat more than that. Hey, I've lost 56 pounds now. But I'm still eating. We all eat. We need to eat. But the Bible should be more precious to us than our necessary food. Saturate your minds with the doctrines of the Word of God. The Word of God is profitable because it will scold us. There it says in verse 16, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. That's what that word means, reproof. And you're being reproved. The Word of God confronts you. It does not feel good to be scolded. Have you ever been scolded? It, it, it makes you feel bad about yourself. One of my first jobs, uh, I, was a, I worked for a lawn and landscaping. It was a Christian, a Christian company back in Ohio. A guy from a church uh, helped me get the job um, mowing lawns and doing landscaping. Loved that job. Nice, easy. Didn't have to think too much. Just push a lawnmower. But one of the things that we had to do was we had to sharpen the blades on the lawnmowers. And, and so you have to take it off the lawnmower and go and sharpen it and then you put it back on. Well, I, there was one day that I, I did that uh, as... In fact, the first time that I, did, I, I had done that, I took it off, I sharpened the blades, and I put it back on the lawnmower, and we went out to mow our first lawn. And for some reason, the lawnmower that I had worked on, uh, I was using it, and it was cutting a groove uh, right in the center. It looked awful. And like, we don't know what's wrong with it. And so we took it back to the shop, and uh, I can remember my, the, the boss's son, who was, the, the, was on the crew with me, took a look at my lawnmower. He goes, in front of everybody, he goes, hey, hey Rob, let's, co- let's go to school. And he brought me over to the lawnmower in front of everybody, made this big show out of it. I felt like an idiot because I put, the, I put the thing on wrong. But guess what? I never did it again. Sometimes, while it doesn't feel good to, 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 be, to, to be reproved or to, have, to be confronted with, with, with a problem, our mistakes or our sin, it's good for us. It's beneficial for us. It's profitable for us. And the Word of God, the Bible says, is to be like a mirror for us. The, uh, the book of James says that we're to look at the, uh, that, that perfect word of God as a mirror. Uh, like you look in the mirror every day when you get up and you, uh, you're getting yourself ready, you're brushing your teeth, and you're combing your hair, and you're getting the sleep out of your eyes. Listen, you do that because you don't want to look like a fool outside, uh, outside when you leave the house. 
you get yourself all ready for whatever Instagram thing that you're doing, or who knows what you're doing. But you, you try to make yourself look good. Word of God is it's for the exact same thing. In fact, the Bible says we're foolish. If we look at those things and then we walk away, the Bible calls that, as, as far as the Word of God is concerned, being a hearer but not a doer of the Word. It's profitable for us to be scolded. Why? So that we see ourselves in our sin. And also, it's profitable because it will straighten you. It will saturate you. It will scold you. It will straighten you. It will instruct you in righteousness. Not only, hey, and this is the best way to do things. And not only is it good to say, this is the wrong way to live. Those are the wrong things to do. But this is the right path. See, if, if that, 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 my boss had, had made fun of me and, and given me a hard time about how I did it wrong, but never taught me how to do it right, guess what? I would have done the same thing the next day. And I would have felt foolish when he called me out in front of everybody else again. But he not only did he uh, scold me, he instructed me. And the Bible is good for that. As you read the word, it will scold you. But then it will instruct you in how to live righteously before the Lord. It's profitable for us. So we, don't, so we stop making the same mistakes. Because the truth is, we do that. We're, we're, we're thick-headed. We just do the same thing over and over again. And think, well, why isn't it getting better? Well, you're still doing the same things. Right? I've had people come to my office and say, I, Pastor, I don't know why, why this keeps happening. I said, have you changed anything? That's like asking, asking the, the guy who uh, is struggling on a diet. Are you still going to Dunkin' Donuts every morning? Well, yeah. Oh. You see my problem, right? <laughs> Nothing will change. It's saturating. It will scold us. It will straighten us. And it will school us. Profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And it will supply us. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In this difficult day that we're living in, we have, a, we have the word of God which strengthens us, which, which reproves us, which, which gives us everything that we need. Why? It, the Bible says it equips us. Why? What do we need equipped for? You ever gone somewhere when you weren't prepared? Right now, my car is full of stuff. We are leaving for vacation. I got in the car, drove halfway to church, and I said, ah, I forgot my sunglasses. My wife goes, no, you didn't. She tapped the thing and down dropped. They're not my glasses, sunglasses, but another pair of sunglasses I can wear. So I didn't have to turn around. Guess what? She was prepared. When you go to work, you need to be prepared to do the job. Right? Your kids go to school. Most of you are almost out of school, Right? You're excited about that. Why? Because you don't want to have to go do your homework anymore. Because homework prepares you for what you're doing. We're to be prepared. The Word of God prepares us for what God has called us to do. For this life that we're to live in here on this earth. All, not just the good parts, not just the mountaintops, but the difficult parts too. When you get down in the valley, it gets so dark, you're like, I, I don't know what to do. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I, 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 can't, I can't get rid of this temptation. I'm struggling so much. I, just, I, I don't know why I keep doing these same things. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but by taking heed thereto, according to thy word. It supplies us. It saturates us. It scolds us. It straightens us. It's everything that we need for this life. 
Well, it's just not relevant today. I think it's extremely relevant for today. There's never been a day when it wasn't, but it's so much more so today. The last thing that I see here that can encourage us and strengthen us in these times, look at chapter 4, 2 Timothy. I'm going to say a phrase and you're all going to smile. We're almost done, I promise. The last, the last point. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing and his kingdom. Or at his appearing and his kingdom. Paul is encouraging Timothy. He says, uh, he says I'm charging you uh, I, I, to, to do something here. Because of all the things, uh, these perilous times you're in, all the things that you're facing, I'm charging you, therefore, uh, for this. Uh, uh, that understand that the, that the Lord is coming back. Uh, his appearing is going to take place. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says that, says that, that the, when the trumpet sounds, the, the dead in Christ shall, shall, shall rise, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. What a day that will be. There will be a day when we get to go to heaven, and I cannot wait until that day. Uh, I'll get to see those that have passed on uh, who are with the Lord. I'm going to, going to be uh, re- rejoicing and reunited with Pastor Williams, with Arnie, with Rose, with, with, with many, many others who have gone on, and then I'll get to rejoice at that time. I'm going to get to see my Savior's face. What a day that will be. But we need to be careful. Because notice what that verse said. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. One day we will all stand before God. Every single one of us, saved or lost, Not just the people in this room, but everybody in this world. Everybody who's ever been alive will stand before God. And the Bible there says that he will judge the quick and the dead. He doesn't mean those that are fast. He means those that are spiritually alive. He's talking about uh, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Or as Jesus said, you must be born again. Uh, He's talking about those that are saved. That you will be judged as well as the dead. Those that are spiritually dead in the trespasses and sins. Well, we're to look forward to that day. We're to be excited about that day, but there needs to be, we need to stop and think about what that means for us. Jesus is coming soon. And while that will get people saying, Amen, praise the Lord, that's good, preacher. You ought to, you ought to sit and just preach on that for a while. He's coming back. Are you ready? Number one, are you saved? Do you know for sure if you were to die today, where you would spend eternity? Because if you don't know for sure, this should be a pause for you where you begin to wonder and say, okay, he could come back. I don't know when he's going to come back. I'm not going to tell you he's coming back this week, this month, this year, or the next 10 years. I don't, the Bible tells us no man knows the time of the hour when he'll come back. But what it does say is he will come back. Now, as a kid, I was a procrastinator. And when my parents would leave, they would leave a list of chores for me to do. And I was the kind of guy... They would wait until I could see them at the end of the driveway. And then I would run as fast as I could to get everything done. 
uh, I think Anita sent me a video once of, this, of, of the two brothers. Uh, there's, uh, there, there's a, the, the mother was coming home. They're running around the house, and they're working together. It was awesome. I never was that fast. Well, thankfully, we had a very long driveway. And as I saw the, about a quarter mile away, I could see the, the dust at the end of the driveway. Mom and Dad's coming. And I'm, I've never vacuumed so fast in my life. Picking up the dirty clothes, taking the toilet. As fast as I could move. Out of breath, but done when they got home. You know why? Because I had my eyes on the driveway, knowing that if I was caught off guard, <clears throat> I'd get in trouble. And while that's funny, understand, we're to keep our eyes on the horizon, but not, to, not so that we can last second do what God's called us to do, because we don't know when he's coming. And when it happens, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's going to be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Where are you going to be when God comes back? What will you be doing? Will you have accomplished what God has called you to accomplish? Or will you be caught in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, or doing nothing? See, understand when it says that we'll be judged, it's not just talking about the fact that God's going to separate the lost from the saved and those that are lost will, will be cast into hell, which is absolutely true. But the Bible says that we will be judged for our works. Our works will be judged. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to throw us into hell or God's going to lay stripes upon our backs. I'm saying that everything that we've done, that we've said, I'm doing this for the Lord, or, or maybe I'm not doing anything for the Lord, but, but or, uh, I'll, I'll do it someday. I'm going to keep putting it off. Guess what? One day you're going to stand before God and you're going to answer for every decision you chose to not serve God, every time you chose not to trust the Lord, every time you spoke some idle word, every, everything that you've done, God will judge those things. And you will have to answer for that. And the truth is, you won't be able to. There will be no excuse. There will be no reason. There will be no way that you can talk your way out of it. We can come up with lots of excuses of why we don't go to church. We can come up with lots of excuses as to why we don't go out and, and, and win souls. We can, go out, we can go out and make all kinds of excuses as why we're not supporting missions or tithing or doing all the things that God has called us to do. You can make all kinds of excuses, but try to make that excuse to Christ because he ain't going to hear it. He's not. When's the last time you told somebody about Christ? Had an actual conversation. I'm not saying that you went around beating on people's doors and forcing... Uh, you, no, I don't have a problem with knocking on doors. We did it yesterday. Uh, I don't have a problem with, with, with sharing the sh passing out a track. That, that's a, those are good things. But listen, they need to hear the gospel of Christ. And it's not the that is not the only time that you can do that. You can do it at work. When you're sitting there with a, uh, unless you're rich, he's retired. Uh, you, can, you can do it at work where, 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 you're, uh, where, you're, where you're sitting there with a, a, per, uh, a coworker who's going through a difficult time and you can talk about how God brought you through your times. Bring it to the point where how God saved you. They don't need to hear our arguments. They don't need to hear us uh, beat them down with our, what they need to hear is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to see the love of Christ in us. But they might look at us differently, and that might affect our jobs. Yes, it might. But that's what God's called us to do. We're to be salt of the earth, a light in a dark place. Jesus is coming back one day, someday, maybe today. So what do we do? Number one, judgment is sure. We need to be beware of that. 
and live in accordance with that. Either we'll be judged in our sin or we'll be judged for what we've done and not done or how we did it. But there are two other things that I want to mention and we're done. First, first, or sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. After talking about these perilous times, Paul told Timothy this, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says, continue. He says, don't quit. Those, those doctrines, those truths, those things that, that, that he has been taught through the word, through, through the instruction of, uh, as, he, as he was discipled, those things that Jesus taught, uh, it, he was to continue in them. Don't quit. That's what the word continue means. It means it doesn't stop. Just like this message will never end. Continue. Even when things get hard. Continue when you get weary. Continue when, when you're hurt. Continue when others leave you. Continue when, when you're made fun of or persecuted. Continue when you don't know how you can go on. Continue. Why? Because all those promises that we read about, all those, those things, our salvation is, is, is permanent, our, uh, the word of God is powerful, or the word of God is, is profitable, uh, our, our strength is, is powerful. Listen, all those promises hold, hold true, and we can continue because not of us, but of him. Continue. And then chapter 4. Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, verse 1, at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Now, Paul was writing to Timothy, and I understand that Timothy was a preacher boy. He pastored a church. So for every pastor, that means preach the word. Be in season, then out of season. Be, uh, be prepared to, to preach the word. Don't preach our thoughts. Don't preach what we want. Don't preach what, how we feel. Don't preach what they want to hear. Preach the word. But, get, but, but it's not just for us. There is, there is a principle here for every child of God. Preach the word. Because they need to hear it. There is a world outside of these doors uh, of people that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can live your life uh, the best, to the best of your ability to, to honor God and glorify God, uh, doing everything right, and that may ca- give people pause as to wonder what's going on. But there are very few people that have come to Christ because somebody said, because, because uh, they saw somebody and they came up to them and said, can you tell me why you are the way you are? They notice that you're different, but that needs to be backed up with the word, the gospel. We're to live it and we're to preach it. Now, more than ever. And let me just say, say this, and I'm done. Closing the Bible, the notes are off. As things get more difficult in this world, people are going to be much more acceptable to the, to the truth of the gospel. Do you know why? Accepting of the truth of the gospel, I guess is the word I should have said. Why? Because life is getting harder, and they're beginning to look for answers. We've been praying for revival for a long time. We've been asking God to to stir up. Listen, it's got to start here first. And as revival starts in the hearts of God's people, the word will begin to get preached out there because it's God's people that take the word to the lost. 
But through the difficulties, and their hearts become softer to the things of God. Why? Because they see that they have a need, and this world does not have the answers. It's true. The president, and again, I'm not trying to knock the president. I'm not trying to, uh, whether you voted for him or voted for Trump, or I, I care less. I'm not, that's not what I'm preaching on here this morning. I want you to understand this. The president doesn't have the answers. And if it was Trump, he wouldn't have the answers. It wouldn't matter who was up there. They don't have the answer. Specifically, they don't have the answer to the need of the world. Do you know what the answer is? It's Jesus Christ. Do you know who has the answer? You and I. What to do in perilous times. Continue. Preach the word. God, help us to do so. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your, for your word and the promise of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would have its, its way in our hearts. Lord, I, I know that many people here may be discouraged. And Lord, I know, I, I just know, Lord, that we're all struggling. Father, help us to find our strength in you and in the promises of your word. God, I pray that you would... Lord, that your grace would be sufficient. Lord, help us to rely upon it. I pray that your word would have its way in our lives. Lord, help us to live our lives for you. We, we need you, Lord. And uh, I, I pray that your will be done this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed, nice clothes for a moment. Nobody's looking around. If you're here this morning and...